Well, it is the most wonderful time of year, right? So says the songs. You know, as we were preparing for uh, today's message, um, and if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 2. I was in a conversation with someone just a few weeks ago, and maybe you felt this way. Uh, maybe your kids have felt this way, but, but it came up about how this Christmas just doesn't feel like Christmas. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, the other night I was putting Judah to bed, and as I was putting Judah to bed, he got really sad that there was no snow on the ground. And I was like, buddy, it's going to be okay. Trust me, Dad was rejoicing inside that there was no snow on the ground because I don't want to go shovel or plow or snow blow the snow. Um, but it, it does feel different sometimes, right? And, and so it got me to thinking about Christmas as like Christmas is pretty staple. We've all got our traditions we all are going to be eating food tonight or tomorrow. We're going to be opening presents. We're going to be singing. We're going to be watching. Um, you're going to shoot your eye out movies and uh, y'all, the Christmas story. I had to think of the name of it, right? We've all got our traditions, right? So if this Christmas maybe feels different for you or different for your family, my question then is what is missing in Christmas? What is missing in Christmas. Now, if you're new with us, I just want to say welcome. I'm excited that you're here with us. My name is Mike, and I get the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor. Um, and a few weeks ago, we started a series in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're just going to pick right back up because I believe what we're going to look at today, we can learn something from uh, for us as individuals, but also for us as a family this Christmas season, and hopefully we can kind of uh, discover what it is maybe that's missing in the festive Christmas mess, right? The mess, anyone else? It's a mess in the house? Okay, thank you. Some of y'all are like, I don't want to admit it, but yeah. So um, if you got your Bibles, I told them I wouldn't go terribly long today. We, I know we got the little ones in here. And so I'm just going to pick up and we're just going to dive right in. But in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. And he inquired to them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now in this text, you see multiple things that are taking place. And, and I'm going to you know, kind of bust some of your Christmas traditions for just a minute. Um, but... What we know is that, historically speaking, these three wise men um, were not there the night that Jesus was born. How many of you guys have a nativity scene? Some of y'all? How many of you, like, go all out and you put the nativity scene in the front yard? So, One couple. 
One couple, and they are awesome. But here's something, like, normally you've got, like, baby Jesus in the manger, right? And you've got Mary, and you've got Joseph, and you've got the camels, and the sheep, and the donkey, and um, the shepherds. And then you've got three wise men, usually a part of the nativity scene. But they would not have been there the night that Jesus was born. Because clearly it says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And these men, these three wise men, would have had to travel. So uh, a couple of things that are interesting about the wise men from a historical perspective is these wise men, the original translation would be magi or um, magician, all right? And not magician in the sense of like you think of uh, Houdini, Hocus Pocus, or anything like that, but uh, musicians, wow, magicians in a sense that they would study they would study science. They would study math. They would study uh, the stars. Some the theologians even believe that these were like minor kings uh, out in the east that saw the stars. They studied, studied the stars. And then the other thing was that they studied different religions and different holy texts, different scriptures from all different religions. And so these men, and here's the other thing, is we don't know if it was three. It could have been four, it could have been seven, it could have been two. We don't know. But these different magi, these wise men, while they were studying, they saw something in the sky. If you're taking notes, today I want to give you, it's, we're only going to have three points up here, but I actually have a fourth one that I added last night at 10 o'clock because I just felt compelled to do it. And uh, y'all are stuck with me this Christmas Eve, so just bear with me, all right? But, but three things... That, that you can learn, or shall I say, four things that you can learn from wise men this Christmas season. Number one is they searched for truth. They searched for truth. These were intelligent, educated men, and they were looking for truth. They would study other world religions. They would study science. They would study math. They would study probably politics even, and they would study the sky. And in the middle of them searching, they found truth. Jesus, the baby that was born that they came to worship, even said later on, if you seek me, you will find me. And I believe there are many of us this Christmas season that are simply just looking for truth in our lives. Truth in our family, truth, something to, to hold on to, truth in our society, which, which in an aspect seems like Everything is truth nowadays. We are looking for truth. I, I love what Joel Wood, Woodworth said about C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis was a great theologian. He was an incredibly smart guy. Uh, he also wrote uh, the, the book, The Chronicles of Narnia, that many of you have seen that happens to have Santa in it. I just want to say that, all right? So great theologian, happens to have Santa. But it says he says this about the life of C.S. Lewis. He says, God took Lewis's wandering, or uh, yeah, God took Lewis's wandering, meaning trying to discover truth and find truth, and redeemed these experiences, enabling him to communicate truths of faith in a way people could understand. After all, he had been there. And one of the things interesting about C.S. Lewis's life is that he went and he studied multiple different religions. He even tried multiple different religions and practicing of the faith. And it was after years of studying, years of experimenting, years of trying to find truth that he finally found the truth in the scripture and in the person of Jesus Christ who we're celebrating this Christmas. 
The, the second thing that we can see about the wise men is not only were they searching for truth, but they took risk. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. See, we think of three wise men riding on a donkey, you know, just going and like, I'm going to Jerusalem, right? I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out where this baby is. But that wasn't the case for these wise men, okay? See, what, what was really kind of taking place was these men, many scholars believe, were from Babylon and, and they would have had to travel hundreds of miles to get to Jerusalem, let alone Bethlehem. Hundreds of miles. Now we also see, and we will see this in just a minute, that they were of some stature or wealth. So they had lots of money. And so theologians, people that study the scripture, they believe that these wise men probably had servants and a caravan and multiple donkeys and multiple camels. And, and, and they were just like, hey, we've got to go see what's happening because of this ancient text and this star appearing in the sky, which we talked about last Christmas Eve, so I'm not going to get into that. But um, this star appearing in the sky, we've got to go find out who this king really is. And they bet it all. They risked it all. They literally stopped what they were doing, packed up, got their servants, their hired men, and they said, all right, guys, we're going to go out west until we find out where this star leads us. We think it's this town, Bethlehem, somewhere in Judea, we haven't been there, but, but we're going we're gonna to go. We're going to go. And they loaded up, and they started traveling to Bethlehem. I think about how often in our lives are we willing to take risk, or how often in our lives do we just want things to be safe. Even in our relationship with God, it's an invitation to take a risk. Like, I want you to think about this. Like, believing in a virgin birth Believing that there is this baby that was born that ultimately died on a cross. Believing in the resurrection. Believing in angels we have heard on high. Believing on shepherds out in the, like it, it sounds like a fairy tale, right? And so there's an aspect with our faith that requires us to take a risk. And I'm here to tell you, if I'm going to take a risk on any faith, I'm going to take a risk on a faith that has been historically proven that Jesus died and rose again. I'm going to, I'm going to put my faith on that guy. Because no other world leader, no other religion has a Messiah, a Savior, who not only died but came back from the dead. I'm going to put my trust in him. Jesus invites all of us to take risks. Maybe for you, it's, it's a different risk that God is leading you down. Maybe for you, it's uh, simple life choices. What do I do in this season? Where do I go in this season? What, what decision do I make? Do I take job A or do I take job B? Or here, I got one for you. Do we visit the in-laws or do we not visit the in-laws? Now, don't turn to your spouse or your significant other and be like, see, this is a sign from God. We're not supposed to visit them, okay? Y'all can go and have marriage counseling after church today, all right? And so um, here's another one for you single people. Who am I going to marry? Like, that's a big risk. Like, you're saying I do, and like, boom, you guys are attached. Like, that's, you're spending the rest of your life with that person. So who are you going to marry? That's, that's a significant uh, risk. Where are you going to sow your money? That's another one. Like, 
Can I trust this organization? Can I not trust this organization? Can I believe this? Can I not believe this? Where are you going to put your money? And then for some of you today, you took a risk by even coming to church. You took a risk because you were probably thinking, I don't want to go to church. The pastor is going to talk about this, this boring story, and, and I know exactly what to expect. And then the greatest thing that I always hear is, like, if I walk into church, you know, the, the, the building's going to go on fire or the walls are going to cave in. I'm like, brother, it's brick and everything's flame retardant. We're good. We got you. We got you. But you took a risk by being here today. And so for those that you took a risk by being here, I just want to say thank you for taking that risk. Because one thing I've learned about taking risk is that when we take risks, especially while we're trying to seek the truth, God always meets us where we are. So the wise men, the first thing we see is that they search for truth. The second thing we see is that they took risk. And then the third thing we're about to see, and then I've got my last point that won't be on the screen. Let me just keep reading to you verses 7 through 12. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained them from what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Something that you see here, and just for a little bit of historical context, is that Herod um, hears of this new king that's being born. Now, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, look at the genealogy of Mary and of Joseph, you will see that Herod was not in that genealogy. See, Herod had gained a lot of favor with the Roman Empire. And so the Rome came in and said, hey, we like you, you like us. I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back, right? And they basically gave Herod the authority of being king of the Jews, even though he wasn't the rightful king of the Jews. And then in that time, and we're not going to get into today, there's actually three different Herods, which we're not going to get into today, another talk another day, or you could just come to Israel with us one day, um, and you'll learn all about that. But these wise men, they were searching for a king to be born. They were searching for a king that the prophecy 700 plus years ago had written about. And the stars aligned and they came in. And Herod, he felt threatened that there was a new king in town. What do you mean there's a king? I am king. And then the wise men, they kept searching. And when they were searching, they found him. And the third thing we can learn from the wise men is they worshiped him. They worshiped him. They fell down. And I want you to think about this. Maybe you've not been in this place, but maybe you have where you've been on this journey. You're discovering, you're trying to find something. Maybe even like you think about a road trip that you took back in the day. If you're trying to get to a particular destination, maybe the Grand Canyon, or you're going to go see the Empire State Building 
down in New York City, who goes down there, I don't know, but um, who, wherever it may be, you go on this journey and then you get right in front of the very thing that you've been searching and you're just in awe of the beauty that is in front of you. I think that's how it was for these wise men, these magi, as they had spent months, seven, eight, nine, maybe even a year or longer searching for this king. And when they saw this baby, they came in and they fell down and they worshiped him. And they presented him with three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Something interesting, and this is completely a theory, but I was just like, this is so cool, I have to share. And if it isn't true, then it's not going to affect your life at all, but I just think it's really cool. See, the wise men were from Babylon. That's something that we know. And 700 years before Jesus came into this world, the Jews were exiled out of Jerusalem. They were kicked out of Jerusalem. Babylon came in, they stole all the gold out of the temple, and then they destroyed the temple and they exiled the Jews to Babylon. And with that came this one guy named Daniel. And Daniel was like the chief Bible teacher of the time. And so whenever they got to Babylon, they allowed Daniel to continue to uh, teach the scripture and to pass down the scripture. And so what he did is he he started teaching the Torah. He started teaching the, the prophets and the, the book of Isaiah and the different things in there. He started teaching. And then from Daniel, it was passed down to another generation, to another generation, to another generation, to another generation, which is why these wise men knew about these prophecies pointing towards a Messiah, because it had been passed down. And then you have the wise men. They come and they present to King Jesus as a baby gold. One of the theories out there is that the wise men were taken the gold that was stolen from the temple and bring, that was brought to Babylon. They were bringing that gold back to the rightful king, King Jesus. And I was just like, man, even if that isn't real, that's so cool just to think about. I guess just, I'm Bible geeking out with you guys. Is that okay? All right, okay, cool. So it's, it's totally cool. But gold represents Jesus' kingship. In Matthew, writing to his audience, he was trying to convey one primary message. Jesus is really king. And so they're presenting this gold to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The second thing is frankincense. They're presenting to him frankincense. And frankincense was used in the temple for altar or, or for the incense that was brought up as an act of worship. And so they're bringing him gold to speak to his kingship. They're bringing him frankincense to speak to him being our high priest. And then they brought him myrrh, which was used to really just cover up the stench in the, the, the temple whenever they would sacrifice an animal. It's also an embalming fluid that they would use back then to embalm the body. And really the myrrh right there speaks to the sacrifice that Jesus was being born to give. And so at a very young age, you see that Gentiles, non-Jewish people, people that were searching for truth, people that were, were longing to take a risk to be able to find this truth, that they presented our king gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that he is the king of kings, he is our high priest, and he will be the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. And they fell down and they worshiped him. 
The last thing I have, and this is not going to be on the screen, the fourth thing I think that we can learn that will speak to all of us this morning from the wise men is this. They were present. Parents, I want to talk to you for just a moment. They were present. I think all of us can agree that our world is hurting right now. Even even coming off of, and I don't want to say the word because last time I said the word, they put that little thing on the bottom of our YouTube video, so I'm not going to say it, but coming off of 2020 and 2021, right, and 2022, and now we have wars and rumors of wars. We have high inflation. We have America's middle class is shrinking, and there's all these things. Can we, Just by a show of hands, has it been a rough year? Yeah, just look around. You're not alone. Like, that's one good thing about church. Let's be honest. We're not alone. For some of you, it's been a fantastic year. And praise God to that. But for many of us, it's been a rough year in whatever way it may be. Here's what I want to say to that. It is easy to allow yourself to get distracted with what's happening in this world. It's easy for you to allow yourself to get distracted for what may lie ahead or what happened last week. It's easy for you to get distracted with all the stuff that you have to do. But what the wise men did that I think is beautiful is that when they saw that there was a glimpse of truth, they risked it, they fell and they worshiped him, and they were present in the moment. They were present in the moment. And, and I just wanna say this for us, maybe, maybe what's missing this Christmas Maybe the reason you feel like Christmas is not really here, maybe the reason that you're stressed out and you're worried and you got so much to do this afternoon like I do, maybe the thing that's missing this Christmas is you being present for that moment. This is something that, that last night, I'm just going to be very honest with you guys, a little bit of humor. I've been thinking about like, man, this is the first Christmas in several years, like I've, I haven't been running around and traveling to Brooklyn and doing this, and I'm like here with the family, and you know, uh, Judah made a gingerbread house, and then the dog ate it, and he got upset, which rightfully so, love you, buddy, and, uh, and, and so like, we're, I'm sitting there, and last night I'm cooking crab soup, and then Christy's cooking broccoli cheddar soup, and we've got, you know, Christmas worship music in the background, and, um, and this is going on, I'm, I'm just sitting there, I'm just like, man, uh, God, this is, this is good. Like, I'm enjoying this moment with my family right now. And I kid you not, the moment I was about to turn around, a very sentimental moment, and I was about to, you know, hey, Christy, literally, like, I'm about to tell my wife how I'm feeling, and I'm holding back tears right now as she's over there, and I'm over here, and, and I hear, Judah, leave me alone. Hallie, like, and I love you guys, but my kids... They started fighting in the other room, and I was like, oh, you know, and so then I had to go in there, but you know what? That's the moment that God has us in, and there's beauty in that, and then the craziest thing last night happened, so I learned that there was in our town, there was the fire truck, Santa, Carol, Stroll thing, and so I just was like, all right, we're going to go outside, um, and we're going to see the fire trucks and Santa, and ho, 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 Merry Christmas, and all that, and that's what I was expecting. Uh, so they, they started in front of our house, and then they ended in front of our house. So of course, we had to watch the beginning and the end, right? And so at the, at the end, 
you know, they, they're pulling up and they're about to turn into the church across the street. And then they stop and Santa gets out and then people start caroling. And I'm like, oh snap, this has never happened to me. People are caroling in front of my house. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but they're like, Frosty the Snowman. I'm just like, oh, this is so embarrassing. So what do I do as a parent? You know, like real talk, the kids are sitting there and they're like, hee, 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 this is great. Santa's giving them more sugar and candy. Like, thanks, Santa. You know, this, this is happening, right? And, 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 and they're like, you know, da, 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 hey. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And I'm like, oh, all right. And th then after that, they sing another song. And I felt so awkward. Awkward, like real talk, never been caroled to, let alone three carols, okay? Three. What am, what am I supposed to do? Thank you, East Kodak Fire Department. Like, thank you. But I get done, I go back inside, and that is the moment that God is using in my life and in my kids' life and my family's life to remember what this season's all about. Maybe this Christmas you've been so anxious and so worried and so stressed that the reason it hasn't felt like Christmas is because your family has been missing you. Because God has been missing you. And maybe this Christmas season, you need to respond like the wise men, and stop and be present in the moment and say, King Jesus, you are worthy of it all. And allow God to touch you because he is a king that came from heaven to be with his friends, his children, and to extend grace and peace and joy and to wrap you in his presence. Will you stand to your feet this morning? We've got two songs that we're gonna close out with, but one of the things I wanna make sure is that we don't rush this moment. I know we've got kids and little ones and we've got hot chocolate ready for you and we've got the photo booth and candy and all this fun stuff. But what I wanna say for just a moment is that for the next five minutes or so, can we just create a space in our hearts to allow the King of Heaven to speak to us, to minister to us, then maybe this Christmas season we just need to be present, maybe even recommit our commitment to Him and bring our worship to Him. And so I'm gonna ask that the prayer team, if you guys would just make yourself available because if you need prayer, like we, we are a church that prays and we believe in prayer. We believe in the power of it. And we believe God will meet you. And so our prayer team, they're going to be available. We've got this massive riser thing here. So they'll be available over here as well as over here. If you need prayer during this time that we worship, I want to invite you to just come and receive prayer. And then I'm going to come up in just a few moments and we're going to close out in a very traditional way. Father, I ask, God, that for those that are seeking truth today, that we would find truth. God, I ask that we would be willing to take risk. Father, that in this moment, we would be able to worship you. But God, more than anything, that we would be present 
for what you want to do in our lives and in our heart right now. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment to speak, to extend grace, to meet us where we are, to be present with your Spirit, with your Son. Jesus, we love you, and I just ask that you would just touch our hearts right now. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, I want to invite you to just come forward to either side and um, let's just sing and let's worship and let's just give Jesus our all this morning.